welcome all of our friends and family, and we thank you for allowing us to come into your homes today. Uh, this is Good Friday. And so uh, we will be having communion at the end of this message. So please get your emblems together, uh, juice and crackers, get those ready, and uh, we will partake together. Amen. Alrighty. So um, we're going to receive an offering as well. And um, going back to our bedrock truths I've been talking about, um, number one, God cannot lie. Number two, his word is true. We can trust him. You can trust him today. Number three, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Number four, as he is, so are we right now. As he is, so are we right now. And number five, God is a good God. In the spite of everything that's going on today, God is a good God. Now, Pastor Gary gave us um, five New Year's revelations that he received from the Lord. Number one, believe in the Lord God, so you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And the prophets said, the prophets are saying that this virus did not come to stay. It came to pass. It came to pass. Amen. Number two, fear not. That is the biggest thing this whole thing is doing is stirring up fear. And, and the Bible says to fear not. Don't let fear overcome you today. Number three, you are complete in him. As you are complete in him, that means all of, he, all of him, all of who he is, is in you today. Amen. Number four, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's, it's his good pleasure. He likes it. Amen. Number four, be steadfast, be unmovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord for, you, for, as you, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you do matters. Amen. And in Luke 1 um, verse 37, it says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. No thing, nothing shall be impossible. And Living Bible says, for every promise from God shall surely come true. American Standard says, no word from God shall be void of power. God's, God's word is totally packed, packed full of, of his power. Wanting to deliver you, set you free. Doesn't matter what it is. He, his word will deliver you from it. Amen? And the passion, it says, not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. So we're going to receive our offerings today, and, and please add your faith with ours, as we're believing for some big things. We want to help a lot of people, and, and we want to help you as well. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, um, when you give, it is given unto you. It is given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use. It'll be measured back to you. New Living says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. It will return to you, pressed down, shaking together to make room for more, running over and pour it into your lap. Why? So you can give more. God wants you to be so overly blessed so that you can be blessed to be a blessing. Amen? The amount that you give will, will determine the amount that you get back. And the pivot point of the whole Bible, John 10, 10, there is a thief comes, and he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. If there's stuff that's stealing, kill, and destroying in your life, it is from the thief. It's from the devil. It is not from God. Jesus said, I have come that, that, that he might give life and that we might have it more abundantly. It's, it would have been cool if he just said, I've come to give you abundant life. But he said, I have come to give you a life that is more abundant than what you can even think about. 
He's into more today. New living, it says, the, th the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. He wants you to be rich, and he wants you to be satisfied. Amplified says, the, key, the thief comes in order to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Woo! He wants to overflow you today. Will you let him? Will you let him? So, Father, we just thank you for this seed today in Jesus' name and ask you to bless our partners, bless our families, Lord, in Jesus' name, with more than, a, more than enough that they'll have life in abundance, good life, till it overflows, till it's to the full in the name of Jesus. So if you're giving online, just go to newcovenantchurch.ca, click on donate and follow the instructions there, or you can mail your checks into P.O. Box 28063. That's P.O. Box 28063, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, B2W6E2. And we are here on Wednesdays from 10 o'clock till 2 to receive your offerings if you want to come by drop them off and uh, we have our paid machine that is open at the same time as well so um amen so let me speak this mm. i thank you lord that uh this session will be controlled completely by the Holy Spirit. For the word of God that is spoken is alive. Your word is alive, is full of power today. You're making it active. You're making it operative. You're making it energizing and effective. This word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe that every need of every person will be met spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially today in the name of Jesus. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. So this is Good Friday. Good Friday. And I was, I was thinking about putting this message together. These thoughts started to come to mind. And, and the biggest one was, and I wanted to look at it this way. Um, what did Good Friday mean to Peter? What did Good Friday mean to Peter? What does Good Friday mean to you? What does Good Friday mean to me? So um, let's start off with, um, let's go to John chapter 14, please. Woo! I'll do it. <laughs> John 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled, especially in this time, especially where we are today. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. This is Jesus speaking. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. There's a place that's being prepared for you and I right now. Right now. Jesus has gone there to prepare it. And this is all part of Good Friday as we could say, Good Friday. And we're going we're gonna to be jumping around in some different, um, uh, different verses, different translations as well, because as, uh, this whole thing is going to paint such a beautiful picture. And so we're going to jump over to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, 13, please. Let me know when you're there. Woo! 
Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In other words, he's saying, What are these people saying about me? And they said, verse 14, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? Who? What are you saying about me? When people ask you the question, What are you saying about him? Are you one of them Christians? Yes, I am. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes, I do. Huh. What are you saying about him today? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your financier? Is he your healer? Is he your deliverer? Yes, he is. Woo! Come on now. Yes, he is. And verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That is son of Jonah. You heard about Jonah getting swallowed by the fish? He said, You're the son of him. For flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but by my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18, And I will say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of Revelation, the rock that said, um, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is going to Peter. This is what I mean. What does, what, what does Good Friday mean to Peter? He's getting all this revelation stuff. Jesus is talking to him. Jesus is saying, look at what's happened here. God, the father revealed this to you. He said, on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. From that time, verse 21. No, verse 20. Then charged Jesus, then charged he the, his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. He was Jesus the anointed one. He told them not to tell anybody. But he told them, Jesus is going to be telling you some things that are very personal to you. Amen. Then he charged the disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ for that time. And then from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again on the third day. And then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. In other words, uh, in, in, in the New Living Translation, it said, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. You can't let this happen to you. Now, Peter was the guy that just got uh, revealed from heaven some heavy-duty revelation. Now he's going to go up to Jesus and tell him and rebuke him. Oh, no, 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 no. Heaven forbid, this, this will never happen to you. 
Verse 23. Then he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense unto me. You savers, you are not mindful of the things that be of God, but those that be of men. The New Living says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. But just a couple of verses before that, he was looking at things from God's point of view. How quickly it changes. Verse 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man, any person will come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? He gave us a choice. Pick up our cross, follow him. Now, Peter, again, we're talking about what does Good Friday mean to Peter? Jesus just finished telling him he's going to go to the cross. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. And Peter said, not so, Lord. You can't do this. And then Jesus rebuked him. Huh. It's amazing the way this works. And, and really, when you think about it, it's how um, we are today. One moment we're, we're saying, hey, we're getting all this revelation, and then something happens. Then what happens? That's where we have to fear not and rise up in him. Amen. So let's go over to Luke chapter 22, please. Luke 22, verse 15. And these are, these are different, these are steps. And, and the way that, that I was taken through these steps here, um, it just lets you know, it, it goes from one level to another to another. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 15, Jesus said unto them, With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more. Uh, uh, thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this, divide it among yourselves for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Verse 19, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. And when he said unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. We're going to do this um, we are going to serve communion and have communion at the end of my at the end of this message as well. But I want to give you a little heads up of what's going on here. And so he said, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Jesus's body was broken for us. He bore torment. He bore mental distress, worry, care, fear. Physical pain for our sickness, disease. He bore the virus. His body was bruised for us. The stripes laid on him was for our healing. By his stripes, we are healed. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the fact, by his stripes, we are healed. He bore the punishment of sin. He bore pain, torment, for and why? So we can be healed. Verse 20, likewise also the cup after, he, he said, this cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is set, shed for you. This cup, 
This cup is a new covenant between God and his people. It's, a it's an agreement confirmed with my blood that Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you hanging. He loves you. This is how much he loves you. Amen. Now, let's go over to verse 31, please. After all of this, you see how this is building up. And, he, and he's saying, listen, I'm going to do things for you. I'm going to fix things for you. Now, what did good Friday mean to Peter? Verse 31, God, and the Lord said to Simon or Peter, and he said his name twice, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. Behold, or look, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But look at verse 32. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. Jesus is praying for you and me today, that our faith won't fail. Through this virus, through anything else that happens, our faith won't fail. Why? Because he's praying, and every one of Jesus' prayers always came to pass. Jesus has never lost a fight. He never will. Amen. He said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. <laughs> when you're converted. This is Jesus speaking to him. What did he know about Peter? He knew everything about Peter. And, he, and, and, and Peter said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both into prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, this cock shall not crow this day before you shall deny me three times that you knew me. Think about that. Jesus, is a, Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me three times. It doesn't, you know, Peter is trying to, he, Peter came up with, yeah, hey, Jesus, I'm ready to go to, to prison. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. In a short time, you're going to deny me three times. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, in Luke chapter 22, verse 47. I'm going to read this um, out of the Passion Translation because this really, um, it, it, um, it paints such a, a, a picture that um, you'll never forget it. And this is where Jesus, Judas betrays Jesus. In verse 47, no sooner had he finished speaking when suddenly a mob approached. And right in front of the mob was his disciple, Jesus' disciple, Judas, he was leading these people. He walked up to J Jesus and greeted him with a kiss. For he had agreed to give the religious leaders a sign saying, the one I kiss is the one to seize. And Jesus looked at him with sorrow. Jesus knew what was going on. He, he told those guys, we read it earlier, that he said uh, he's going to be betrayed and, and he's going to be killed by these people that Judas is leading them. Verse 48, Jesus looked at him with sorrow and said, A kiss, Judas? Really? 
a kiss? Are you really going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Verse 49, when the other disciples understood what was happening, they asked, Lord, shall we fight with them with our swords? Just then one of the disciples, this is Peter. He said he's ready to death. He's willing to die. He's willing to go to prison. He proved it right there. He swung his sword at the high priest's servant and slashed off his right ear. Verse 51, Jesus stopped the incident from escalating any further by shouting, Stop! That's enough of this. And when he touched the right side of the injured man's head, his ear grew back and he was healed. In spite of all of that, Jesus is still willing to heal. He's still willing to, to, to save, to deliver, to set people free. Now, verse 52, Jesus turned to those who had come to seize him, these ruling priests, the officers of the temple police, and the religious leaders, and they said, am I a criminal that you come to capture me with, cl with clubs and swords? Wasn't I with you day after day teaching in the temple courts? You could have seized me at any time, but in the darkness of night you have found, <laughs> you, you have now found your time. For it belongs to you and to the prince of darkness. Verse 54. The religious leader seized Jesus and led him away. But Peter followed from a safe distance. Huh. They brought him to the home of the high priest where people were already gathered out in the courtyard. Verse 55. Someone had built a fire. So Peter inched closer and sat down among them to stay warm. Getting, come on, he's, he's amongst the enemy now. Getting warm. Verse 56, a girl noticed Peter sitting in the firelight, staring at him. She pointed at him out and said, this man is one of Jesus' disciples. Verse 7, 57, Peter flatly denied it, saying, what are you talking about, girl? I don't know him. Denial number one. A little while later, someone else spotted Peter and said, I recognize you. You're one of his. I know it. How would he have known it? Would it have been by the signs of the wonders that, he's, that he did? That the closeness of Jesus, wherever Jesus was, Peter was there? When the miracles were happening, Peter was there? When they did the miracles of the loaves and the fishes, Peter was there? When he raised the dead, Peter was there? When he healed the blind eyes, Peter was there. When he opened the deaf ears, Peter was there. He says, I recognize you. You're one of his. I know it. Peter again said, I'm not one of his disciples. That's two. About an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted that he was a disciple of Jesus, saying, look at him. He's from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. And Peter was adamant. Listen. He said, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. And while the wor words were still in his mouth, the rooster crowed. Oh, my and in verse 61, at that moment, the Lord who was being led through the courtyard by his captors turned around and gazed at Peter. He heard him. Ow! 
All at once, Peter remembered the words that Jesus prophesied over him. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. Peter burst into tears and ran off from the crowd. He wept bitterly. Peter, what did Good Friday mean to Peter? Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Now, Judas, on the other hand, let's look. Keep your finger here because we're coming back here. But uh, um, go to Matthew chapter 27. Verse 1. You see how this is going in steps? And in Matthew 27, verse 1, when, in the mor when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders and the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor, when Jesus, which had, or what, excuse me, when Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself. He felt sorry. He felt remorseful. He, for, he felt regret. He, he was regretful. He repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I, I have sinned in that I have betrayed it, the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See you to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed and went and hanged himself. Horrible. Listen to this in the New, New uh, Living Translation in verse uh, 4, uh, chapter 27. It says, what do we care? That's not religion. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. You deal with it. We got them. You deal with the rest of this. You deal with your guilt. That's your problem. How many people have done that to you? Huh? What do we care? That's your problem. Deal with it. Well, here, we do care. And we will help you deal with your problem. Amen. Now, back to Luke chapter 22. And in, in verse 31 and 32, and the Lord said to Peter, again, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Here's where his faith failed. He denied Jesus three times. He says, when you're, not, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. New Living in verse 32 says, I pleaded in prayer for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and returned to me again, you're going to come back to him again, strengthen your brothers. Listen to this in the Passion. I prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. No matter what. This is the biggest thing in Peter's life so far that he has done. He has denied his Lord, his master, his teacher, his mentor, his friend. Denied him three times and ran off and wept bitterly. We've done things that we've wept bitterly about. And Jesus said, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. 
Nobody's perfect. But when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Why? Because Jesus is praying for you. Let your faith fail not. Here's where you're, come on, faith. <laughs> failure is not, is when you fail to get up. And in football, if you're going to fall, fall forward, take ground, and take somebody with you. Amen? Passion said, I prayed for you, just Jesus speaking. Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, two things. You're going to turn back to him and you're going to be restored. Make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Make this your life mission to strengthen people. Make this your life mission to bring joy into people's lives. Make it your life mission not to leave people the way you found them. Amen. Strengthen your, the faith of your brothers. That's our job. That's your job today. Strengthen those people. Come on, there's a lot of fear out there. Right now, and it's our job to strengthen people. It's our job to bring faith. Faith conquers fear every single time. Amen. Let's go to um, Matthew chapter 27. Verse 24. Matthew 27, 24. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion. Um, it says, when Pilate realized that a riot was about to break out and that it was useless to try to reason with the crowd, this is where Jesus was condemned to death. He sent for a basin of water, and after washing his hands in front of the people, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. The responsibility for his death is now yours. And the crowd replied, let his blood be on us and on our children. What a thing to say. Verse 26, so he released Barabbas to the people. He ordered that Jesus be beaten with a whip made out of leather straps embedded with metal. So every time that whip went down and with, those, with the metal on the end of those straps, and when they pulled it back, there's flesh coming off of his body. They said they beat him so bad his, his body looked like human rubble. It was horrible. Horrible. Hamburger. And afterwards, be crucified. Verse 27, then the guards took him to their military compound where a detachment of nearly 600 soldiers surrounded him. Verse 28, they stripped off his clothing. This is after they beat him to half to death, placed a scarlet robe on him to make fun of him. When they braided a crown of thorns and set it on his head, after placing a reed staff in his right hand, they knelt down before him, irreverently mocking him, saying, oh, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat in his face, took the reed staff from his hand, and hit him repeatedly on his head, driving the crown of thorns deep into his brow. These thorns were like this long, and the, and the ends were like needles. And they were driving that into his head. Verse 31. When they finished ridiculing him, they took off the scarlet robe, put on his own clothes back on him, led him away to be crucified. And when they came out of the city, they stopped an African man named Simon from Libya and compelled him to carry the cross for Jesus. They whipped him, spat in his face. 
put crown of thorns on his head. Beat the, beat the, beat the thorns into his head. Mocked him, ridiculed him, spat. Luke 23. Verse 32. Again, we're still in the Passion Translation. Two criminals were led away with Jesus. All three were to be executed together. When they came to the place that is known as the skull, the guards crucified Jesus, nailing him on the center cross between two criminals. These, nail, these nails, um, they say they were close to seven, eight inches long and probably uh, like an inch to two inches in diameter. They nailed him. Verse 34, while they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over. Now, after all that he's gone through so far, this man has the strength to say something. While he's being nailed, he prayed over and over, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can forgive these people, we can forgive one another, can we not? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The soldiers, after they crucified him, gambled over his clothing. Verse 35, a great crowd gathered to watch what was happening. The religious leaders sneered at Jesus, and they mocked him, saying, look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretended to save others. He can't even save himself. The soldiers joined in the mockery by offering Jesus a drink of vinegar. Verse 37. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of all the Jews. All the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him saying, Hey! If you're king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. Verse 40. The criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, Don't you fear God? You're about to die. We deserve to be condemned for we are being, uh, we are just being repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong. Then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace. Take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. Jesus responded, I promise you, this very day, you'll, you will enter paradise with me. That is the heart of the Savior. That is the heart of Jesus. This very day. Mm. Matthew 27.
Verse 45. Now, he said this very day, you're going to be with me. He took him, received him. Now, Matthew 27, verse 45. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Labak, Sabbath, Sinai. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? That is a time when God the Father had to turn his back on God the Son because the sin of the world was coming on him. Our sins, your sin, my sin, the whole world's sin. Some of the bystanders, 47, some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, no, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Now, if you think about this, you read back in the story when Elijah came and he called down fire and burned up all those prophets of Baal. These people don't even know. If Elijah was to show up, he could have burned those people to a crisp. They just don't know. Verse 50, then Jesus showed out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split apart. Tombs opened. The bodies of many godly women, women who have died, were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went to the holy city of Jerusalem, appeared to many people. What? The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake. And all that had happened, they said, this man was truly the Son of God. Whew. Wow. Peter was watching all this stuff happen. So what did Good Friday mean to Peter? Absolutely everything. John chapter 19, please. Verse 31, John 19, 31. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Um, <clears throat> it was a day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was a Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering them to let their legs be broken. Hmm. Then their bodies can be taken down. See, the thing is, is that with those spikes in their feet, the only way they could take a breath is they have to put pressure on those spikes and lift themselves up so they could breathe. If their legs are broken, they can't. They can't do that. That's why they would, they would, they would basically suffocate. Verse 32, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear. Immediately, blood and water flowed out. And they say this was the birth of the church. Blood and water flowed from his side. 
Verse 35, this report is from my witness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you can also believe. These things happen in fulfillment of the scriptures that say not one of his bones will be broken and they will look on the one they have pierced. They pierced him. Now we're going to go over to Mark chapter 16, please. Mark 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint Jesus' body. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said amongst themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And they looked, and when they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great, or it was a big rock. And entering the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said unto them, Be not afraid, fear not. Every time an angel shows up, they always say, Fear not. That's interesting. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place. Look, look where they laid him. Look at this, verse 7. This, this is just, oh, this is so great. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Mention him by name. Tell his disciples and Peter. And you. And you put your name in there. Come on, that he goes before you into Galilee. There you shall see him as he has said unto you. Jesus wants to, if you don't know him, he wants to get to know you. He wants to see you. He wants you to see him today. Verse 8, they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And he appeared to her first. He did not appear to any religious leaders. But he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Wow. Wow. Now, while Jesus was, was when Jesus was on the cross, there were seven things that he said. Number one. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. First thing. Number two, today you, you shall, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today. Today is your day. Today is your day. You can be with him in paradise today. You just make a decision. Woman, behold thy son. That's when he gave his mother to, to John to look after. 
Verse 4, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number 5, I thirst. Number 6, it is finished. Number 7, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. What did Good Friday mean to Peter? What did Good Friday mean? What does Good Friday mean to you? What does Good Friday mean to me? It, it, it's the beginning of change. We can change our lives today. You can change yourself by going from darkness to light, from the power of, come on, you, you could just receive Jesus. Receive all that he has done today and say, okay, Lord, listen, I'm going to be like the thief on the cross. And, and I ask you just to take me with you. Receive me. Be my Lord and Savior. Good Friday proclaims the opportunity to proclaim once you've been to the cross, everything changes. Everything changes. Huh. Resurrection Sunday is indeed, is indeed about the empty tomb, but first it's about the cross. In Hebrews 12, too, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He said it is finished. Why? Because he's the one that's going to finish this thing. Who for the joy that was set before him, you and I. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he has set, now he is set down at the right hand of God on the throne of God. The passion, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the, of the cross, conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Huh. Good Friday meant to Peter everything. He saw in himself a man in need of a savior. He said that Jesus was the Christ. He said he was the son of the living God. But then he experienced the love and the forgiveness that only one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself, can provide. Friday is a road to Resurrection Sunday, but it was a road for Jesus, and it is a road for Peter, and it is the road for you and I today. In the name of Jesus. Come on now. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.